All right, everybody. It's uh, sorry, sorry about that. <clears throat> it is awesome to be here. It's awesome uh, for Tara and I to get to see the first uh, FSA this past week and get to be a part of that. It uh, it made me want to go jump to a like a kids camp or something. For I, that probably would have gone away after a few days, but it was fun. Uh, it was fun for a couple days. So, uh, my name is Brian. And uh, Brian Cruzan, my wife, is up here singing. We've been here a few months, and um, just uh, it's an honor to uh, get to talk to you all today and to, uh, to do so without holding a, a guitar in my hand, although I considered, you know, some comedians hold an acoustic guitar when they, when they talk. I, I thought about doing that, but, um, but we're going to continue our series this morning on, Revel- or on a, a new song, and if you would stand with me, I'm going to read from... Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 this morning. The scroll and the lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. With seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God. <clears throat> and they shall reign on earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm going I'm to pray for us this morning as we get started. <clears throat> Jesus, we, we thank you that we are able to gather here this morning, that we are able to sing songs, to glorify you, to, to honor you because of who you are and because of what you have done. I pray that, that we would be encouraged this morning to, to sing a new song, to worship you with our lives, but to show the world that, that your song will go on to eternity, Lord, and that we will be singing to you and for what you've done for eternity. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I wanted to start with a, a little background because we are semi-newer to, to the church here. Um, uh, Tara and I, uh, we were married in our early 20s. And uh, we, 
We basically got married thinking that we were going to, uh, you know, we, were, we led worship at the time. We both grew up in, in pretty charismatic backgrounds, uh, church-wise. Um, and uh, we, we both knew we, we wanted to lead worship. We loved music. We wanted to write songs and um, got married thinking that we were just going to go on this uh, complete upward ride towards just bigger things, writing amazing things, and do amazing things in the world, and be known for, for at least this was my, I can't, I don't want to project this on Tara, but um, I, w- I wanted to be known for how much I love Jesus, I guess, that's, that's uh, the problem, um, and so there was no doubt in our mind when we got married that was going to be what our life looked like, and um, I would say in our, in our mid-20s, um, God began to deal with us, we just, some, some, uh, the as we began reading the Bible for ourselves and understanding Jesus more, some of our, our thinking changed, and it led to this period where we were really questioning um, just where our motives were and, um, yeah, who, who, what were we trying to do? What were we trying to accomplish? Was it for our sake or, or, or was it for the sake of the kingdom? And, and uh, through that time, uh, again, we'll, uh, I'm 33 now. Uh, this is, you know, within the last 10 years um, God, God brought us through a time where, as we were going through change in our, in our thinking and, and uh, being humbled in a lot of ways, God uh, taught us what it looked like to, to live what we would have considered normal life, which is not what we would have pictured um, our life looking like, um, which is just, you know, doing well at a job, learning how to live with community well. And it was really by God's grace um, we really learned how to care about people, I think, um, and Kind of the, the pendulum for me swung the other way, kind of from this charismatic, exciting, um, jovial, and, and I'm telling you this, it will, play into, it will play into kind of what I talk about a little later on, but my pendulum kind of swung to this area where I just wanted to live this normal life and sing hymns only and have no emotion in worship and, um, you know, just music kind of took a different shape for me in the way that I saw God, and, and I think that pendulum has, uh, has swung closer to the center in the last couple of years, but... Um, so yeah, Tara and I were we were on this trajectory. We had a house. We were, we lived in Memphis, and uh, we we did we came up here a few times a year and led worship if Aaron was gone or or whatever the case may be as you needed. So we some of you know our story. Um, but yeah, we we had come to the conclusion that God had basically said, you know, we're I, I want you to just serve in your church well and live raise a family, uh, live in a house, just do the normal thing and. Um, we we really grew content with that. I think that was God's grace. We just thought, okay, well, God has got to shape this in our hearts, and this is who we've become, um, and this is who we'll be. Um, but through that time I, I, of of really that pendulum swinging way the other direction, I realized that that my heart was was a bit hard. Um, it was a bit um, even when I would come lead here, we just I wasn't worshiping through music like I used to. I wasn't joyful. I was leading and serving from a place of empty. And about the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, um, God just, I was reminded of the story of Mary and Martha and Mary working really hard to, to do things for Jesus and to do things for the group in the house. But Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And uh, I was just reminded of that story and I really felt like God saying, look, you've been trying really hard career-wise. You've been trying to be all these things and and the weight of this yoke, from a biblical sense, is weighing on you. You're not able to serve well. You're not able to love well. And um, 
yeah, I felt like we, you know, I was going towards a lot of things from a, from a career standpoint at that time, trying to learn and, and all these. And, and it was like, I, I just heard God say, just, just rest and sit at my feet. Like 2016, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to learn to worship me again. I want you to learn to, to love me again for the sake of me and not for the sake of what you want to accomplish. And so last year we saw a really beautiful um, time of, I think, God just rejuvenating a heart of servitude in us and a heart for the church and um, for music and for just just loving people in a way that hadn't happened before. And I'll go into some of that later. But um, yeah, through our relationship with Chad and Jen and through the through the church that we had had here, we, we really prayed at the beginning of this year and just really felt like um, you know, God had done some amazing financial things and really set us up to make a transition. Uh, nothing that we had really tried to do on our own, uh, but he really set us up for being able to transition to Jonesboro and really felt like uh, as we were praying, should we stay in Memphis? Should we go to Jonesboro? We really we felt like God uh, wanted us to, to kind of join arms and hearts with, with you all and um, and by God's grace, it's been a really beautiful time. It's been a, it's been a busy time. Uh, I mean, we've got to meet a lot of you but, um, and, and love hanging, spending time with some of you and hope that we get to spend more time. So, um, so that was quick. That was a 12, 13-year uh, tran- uh, what transpired to the reason we're here. And, and we, uh, we definitely we feel called again to, to serve the church, and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like um, in the next few years, but uh, we, we definitely feel like we are, uh, that we are supposed to serve the church in a greater capacity, and, and this is kind of the first step of that, and that's, uh, that's our story here. So um, I say all that because music played a big role, uh, singing played a big role in that, and um, uh, it, I think that there's some things that I learned and some things that the Bible tells us about singing and music that... That, uh, that we can learn there. So uh, as a fair warning, um, because this is the medium that is, tends to be okay to, to be used in a church atmosphere, um, there may be a few U2 references this morning because that's, that's kind of like the, the Christian secular world meeting. And so I, you know, I was like, well, who else could I use besides, you know, is Justin Bieber's not there yet, Coldplay, uh, maybe Coldplay in the future. I don't. I don't know who's going to come along. But but right now, um, but U two is going to be uh, what it is. So uh, I'm projecting a few scenarios on you, just as a general group of people. I don't know if this is true, but hopefully we'll find out. So uh, I'm going to start by just describing Group A, and you can tell me at the end if if you're a Group A person. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you I'm a Group A person. Um, so Group A, you love music. You love new music, you love new albums that come out, you always know who sings what songs, maybe you're a singer, you're always singing in your house, you're always uh, maybe writing, uh, you play some instruments, I mean you just, you love music, you love nostalgic music, just everything about, um, or music just plays a huge role in your life. Is that, or the, is there anybody in group A here? Okay, a few, a lot less than I imagined when I, when I said that, Okay. Um, I'm going to skip group B, and I'm going to go to group C. And so, because I don't know for sure if there is a group B, so that's, uh, we'll see. So group B is, you don't hate music. Um, you don't really understand, you understand why, you know, aesthetically it's a good thing. You, you enjoy it when you walk into an elevator and there's a piano playing. Um, you enjoy being in, in 
a store and hearing music in the background. Um, but you're probably never going to write a song. You're probably never, um, you don't know who, who sings most songs on the radio. Maybe you've heard of Taylor Swift, but you're not really sure who she is. Um, so is there a group C? You're kind of apathetic towards music. Man, okay. Okay, good. At least one. Um, this is great. Y'all are either scared to raise your hands or this, this is bombing. All right, so are there, is there any in between there? Group B. Uh, group B. Okay, so I, Tara's a group. Tara's a group A. I, must have, I, I, I sold it too much. And then, then I wasn't sure if there was a group D, which you absolutely hate music. And I've never met anybody in that group, but okay, no group D. It's good. Um, so as, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm a group A person. Um, I, I grew up um, stories of being three years old and just driving my parents crazy. Um, I would be walking through our house and I would be making a, a drum beat with my mouth. I'd be making electric guitar sound at the same time. I basically was making a whole band with my, with my mouth. And uh, my parents, my parents uh, they, we were at our pastor's house one day and I remember the, uh, the story. I don't know if I actually, um, I don't know if I recall this or not, but the the pastor's wife leaned over to my parents at the dinner table and said, does he have to do that? <laughs> and so, I, I, yeah, I think I did. But, and I remember playing t-ball when I was five and six years old. And um, I got better at baseball, but I was not good at all at five. So I was out in left field because um, most people couldn't hit to left field at that age. So that's where they put people like me. Um, you know, there's the story of the kids that are jumping around catching butterflies and stuff. And I never did that. Um, but I, I would, I would curl my guitar around, or my guitar, my glove, like a guitar, and I would just be rocking out in left field, and balls would be going by me, or hitting me, or, you know, the rest of the team would be in the dugout, and I'd be, I'd be out there still. So I, God has put a love of music in me, and, uh, so if you're a group C person, you know, grant me some grace this morning as we talk about music, um, uh, I do think God has not just put a love of mu- or put music inside of some people, but I think He's given it as a gift to all of us. Um, a book that I'm going to mention a couple times is called Rhythms of Grace, and it's by a guy named Mike Cosper, and uh, he's a worship pastor in Louisville. And um, the book is really not about a lot about music as much as it is about worshiping um, in your day to day life. But he does talk about music towards the end, and one of the things that he says. Uh, he tells a funny story. He calls it the Bono Principle. There's, there's you two reference number one. Um, he says, find a friend who is both a terrible singer and a U2 fan. Buy said friend tickets to a U2 concert. Go to the concert with your friend and watch as he sings at the top of his lungs where the streets have no name or beautiful day. And then you will know that, yes, even the group C people uh, are, will sing and so, um, so not only, I've painted the picture of kind of the last decade for us, but not only, not only this, but what we're going to talk about and what we're going to, from the song of Revelation that we see and, and singing on to eternity, this is something that I've, I've had to preach to myself over even the last week, and I think that's by God's grace. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, as we've, we're still transitioning, and it's been a very busy work time, very busy time moving to a new house and kind of... Um, you know, not everything, not everything is certain. There's, there's the feeling of uncertainty. God, what are, how are you going to continue to sustain us? Um, at the end of last week, I had even lost the, the view of who God was in relation to who I am. And as I was talking to Tara, she, she had to remind me in a very dark place that, look, you're, 
you know, you can sing to a God who uh, is your father who loves you just for who you are uh, and just for what he has done for you and because you're his child. And uh, so, yeah, the first thing that I would say is, is singing cultivates affections that sustain us in uncertainty. Um, in Revelation, it describes Jesus as both a lion and a lamb. And we, uh, we sang to that this morning. Uh, he is a lion. He is powerful. He is strong. He has conquered. And he is a lamb. Not only is he strong, is he unapproachable, but he is very approachable. He conquered through suffering. He is gentle. We can approach him at any time, anywhere, in any circumstance. And so I want to talk about a few things, or a couple things here. First is singing a new song as an individual. And the second is singing a new song as uh, corporately as a congregation. And so I love studies that talk about, that, that basically paint the Bible in a picture um, that doesn't necessarily knock heads with science, but where science and the Bible really do come together. And there's, uh, I recently watched one about rock formations in the Grand Canyon and et cetera. So, um, but I was reading as I was preparing, and there's a Time, Mag- Time Magazine article titled, Singing Changes Your Brain. It said, when you sing, musical vibrations move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. As the popularity of group singing grows, science has been hard at work trying to explain why it has such a calming yet energizing effect on people. What researchers are beginning to discover is that singing is like an infusion of the perfect tranquilizer, the kind that both soothes your nerves and elevates your spirits. Um, A study within the article also noted that they were looking at how singing helps with health and longevity and and I, was, I thought, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm trying to make us healthy as a group of people, but even eternally uh, longevity, healthy through singing. The article goes on to say, the benefits of singing regularly seem to be cumulative. In one study, singers were found to have lower levels of cortisol, indica- indicating lower stress levels. A very preliminary investigation suggesting that our heart rates may sync up during group singing could also explain why singing together sometimes feels like a guided group meditation. Study after study has found that singing relieves anxiety, contributes to the quality of life, and Dr. Julene K. Johnson, a researcher who has focused on older singers, recently began a five-year study to examine group singing as an affordable method to improve the health and well-being of older adults. So we see that singing is a gift. Uh, It's been built into us. Um, it is a gift given by God to reveal God, to connect with God, to celebrate God. And I think one of the most important things is to remember God. Because as we sing, we remember who he is. And, and we preach that to ourselves in ways that we don't always go to from a thought perspective. The Psalms command us hundreds of times to sing. Uh, Genesis 4.21 mentions the father of all who play the, the lyre and the pipe. Um, Israel's history we see is full of singing and full of music. Uh, one of my favorite is Jesus at the Last Supper. Um, right before, and it, it's like one little line in there that, that sticks out, but it, it says they, they sung a hymn together and then they got up and went out. And I, I love that, that we, we see that Jesus sang. Uh, Jesus quoted from Psalm 22 on the cross. Um, and then just through our church history, individual and corporate songs and songwriting have accompanied uh, historical movements of revival and... Uh, just history in general. So if we take singing from the Bible, 
uh, we have a, a very small, a much smaller Bible than what we have now. So not only do we, not only do we have the command to sing and to, to make music, um, but we see something beautiful in Zephaniah chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse 17. This is, this is a picture of Israel going from um, rebellion and oppression and then into repentance. And then what we see are these verses that come out of repentance to great joy and restoration. In verse 17 of that restoration, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So not only are we commanded to sing to God, and we have this picture of, of, of it being a gift, but we also see that God sings over us, that that is something that he does to rejoice over us as his children, uh, which is beautiful. So, so practically from an individual standpoint, this is, this is what this meant for me. You know, I talked about um, 2015 to 2016. Um, part of sitting at Jesus' feet was changing the way that I was intaking music. Um, as a music guy, I was looking at not just in, in the realm of the church or Jesus-centered music, I just music in general. Every, every release day, I was going out there looking at the new album, seeing who was releasing music, and um, you know, I just getting arguments about who, who was the best, which, which album was the best of this band. And, I was, and so I, my, my level of just music in general is here. But one of the things that, that I had to do that, and I don't, I'm not going to prescribe this as something I, I'm telling you you have to do. I just want to share kind of what has been helpful for me. And I've, I've also seen this in some folks um, that, I'm, that I'm close to that have had to look at music the same way and who it's impacted them spiritually and in their relationship with Jesus. Um, but I had to limit the amount of um, music that I was taking in that was not Jesus-centered. And where it was a, a, a 95-5%, um, uh, man, I, I noticed a huge difference. Just as I, as I began listening to and began singing songs um, that, that focused on hope and that focused on Jesus and that focused on eternity, um, there was a connection there that I honestly had a, a, a weight over me for a long time that I, I almost felt like I couldn't penetrate uh, heaven because of that. And that was part of just the ease of sitting at his feet um, came from finding music. So I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know if that means um, that, you know, you pick a song that we sang this morning and create a Pandora station or a Spotify station um, and just, again, soak in, soak in that more, soak in the words because it really does... Um, it, it impacts the, the, what we hear and what we think does impact the way that we see the world and the way that we, we see eternity. Um, the second thing I had to do was sing more. I realized um, in my teens, I would be driving down the road all the time, listening to music, singing, and, and people would comment like, hey, I was honking at you and, and uh, you know, waving, and you were just like in the third heaven there driving down the road. Um, just singing to the top of my lungs, and people will comment. I'd get out of my cars and be like, "Man, you look so happy! Like you're, so, you look so joy. Like why are you always smiling when you get out of your car?" And uh, I don't know. But then I figured out it's. I realized I had stopped singing so much. I had stopped. Um, that just stopped being something that I did. Uh, I would sing when I led worship. I would maybe a little bit when practicing for leading. Um, so practically, I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, I don't, uh, for me, that meant on my morning commutes, I had 20, 25 minutes. Um, I, I had to say, you know, and I, I wasn't perfect at this, but it, it really made a big difference. It was 
Um, I'm going to turn all news off. I'm going to turn um, even listening to, to a sermon podcast. I just, I had, and I was going to say, okay, for these 20 minutes, I'm just going to worship. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to glorify God to set the tone for my day. And, and I noticed a huge difference um, in those times of, of setting that aside. So I, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't, I don't know if that means, um, like Hayden, you need to go out into the trails and, and be, you know, singing at the top of your lungs out in the woods or... Um, if that's in your car, that's alone at home or with family at home, I don't, I don't know what that means. But um, the Bible commands us to sing. The Bible tells us, not just commands us, but tells us it's a gift to sing. And I would encourage you um, to discover the joy in that if you, if you haven't already. Um, and I, I think I talk about this with a lot of joy, but I think there's a song for every season. Um, I think there are times like last week where I needed to uh, I needed to sing just an upbeat dance song with some kind of surface lyrics about Jesus that made me made me look to him and feel good. But um, I think there's other seasons where there are songs that we have as a body that um, that say that even when the world is even when the world hurts, even when I don't feel you, Jesus, uh, I'm still going to take heart. Like many of the psalms say, I'm. I'm still going to look to you, and I'm going to find my strength in you. So, so individually, that's, that's, there is a new, a new song for us individually. Second part is singing a new song corporately. Um, corporate singing is not exclusive to the church. Um, some people think it's odd to, to come together in a group of 50, 100, 1,000 people and sing, but... Um, I would encourage you, if you feel like that's the case, um, I'm gonna, I've got a gift for you this morning that I want to show up here on the screen. And so, if it's ready, it's, it's a video of a, a non-church service that, that I know of. That is a picture of Wrigley Field. Um, for you non-baseball fans, that's, uh, that's the World Series winners of last year. Uh, I, I grew up a Cubs fan, uh, and it was a, a lot of suffering for about 32 years, but it paid off last year. Um, but this is actually 2015, that video, and I, I don't know if it set it up there or not, but the video was taken um, a mile outside of Wrigley Field after they had won the first round of the playoffs that year. And uh, there's a song at the end of Cubs games called Go Cubs Go that was, I think it's an 80s song that, I mean, it's pretty cheesy, but, it, you know, at the end of a, a Cubs win, everybody kind of has to sing it. Um, but I, I just wanted to paint the picture there that corporate singing is not something that uh, is just exclusive to the church, but there are many events, and I, I mean, I, I remember when I first saw that video, thinking like, oh, this, this is a picture of heaven. It may have been the, I mean, it, there may have been some other emotions in there. I don't know that it was all the Holy Spirit, but um, it probably was the Holy Spirit. But um, I, I do want to encourage you as a body, um, I think fellowship sings corporately very well. Um, I... Uh, I've noticed many times, people ask, you know, from Memphis, oh, well, what's the church like? And I was like, man, they really, especially when we all drop away from the instruments and I can't hear everything in my ear, like, it sounds like 
5,000 people are in here singing sometimes on, on the songs that we're singing. So I, I really think fellowship is awesome. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm preaching to the choir in this whole thing, but I, um, but I do want to encourage you. I, I love to hear us sing as a church. And so what I want to do, so I've kind of painted the picture of singing and music and, and how it can benefit us individually and how the Bible tells us to do it. And uh, I just want to, um, I think there's more to the, to the unity that, that music paints. Um, there's more that we see in the verses in Revelation when it talks about every tribe, every tongue, every language coming to, to say, worthy are you, Jesus. And uh, I want to read Colossians three eleven through 17. Here there is uh, not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, and give thanks to God the Father through him. So in this verse, we see Paul painting a picture of a body marked by grace, uh, marked by reconciliation and marked by love. Um, the, the cool thing about the gospel and about what Jesus has done for us as people is that it looks different than all the other people groups um, that we typically see in the world. So um, if I think about musicians or I think about sports fans, uh, if, I, if I think about businessmen in a convention or... Um, Whatever, whatever group you can think of, nobody typically looks at a group of, of, uh, of Razorback fans. Or Wolverine, well, yeah, sorry. Um, forgot what part of Arkansas I was in. Um, nobody looks at that group and says, oh, this, this is amazing. How are these people coming together in unity that love this same sports team that kind of all look the same, wearing the same jerseys? And, how is it that these people are together? Or how are all those guitar players getting along? Like, what, what is drawing them together? No, we, we don't say that as a, as a group. We say, oh, well, yeah, it's, we have different preferences, and those preferences guide us into our, our groups of people we're in. Um, so but here's, the, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel and what Jesus has done. And I say this as someone who wants this to grow in me uh, because... I tend to like to hang out with people that are a lot like me or that maybe like the Cubs. Um, I've got to learn how to like Cardinal fans. Um, no, that's, um, I, but I, something I want to grow in me is that what, the, what we see in Revelation is all tongues, tribes, and nations. That we see uh, people should be in awe of the gospel and all of us singing together, all of what we do because of because we are so different. We have a body that is so different, but we all come together, not because of our preferences, but because of what Jesus has done and in his unity. So, so how, how do I tie this back around to music? Um, our world is full of divided tribes. 
And one large example of that is music. Um, we've got entire denominations that are divided because of music, um, because of styles, and, and sometimes those groups are even divided in the same roof. Um, I, I too, I have fallen victim to this mentality. Um, I, uh, as I mentioned before, there was a time where not only did I want to say that this is the style I'm going to worship in, this is the way that I see worship benefiting me, but uh, I also said I really don't have a place for the people that, that don't worship that way. Um, maybe they worshiped a little wilder than I thought they should. Maybe they, they did things differently. And instead of just saying, well, that's okay, I, I, in my heart I despised it. I said, man, I, I really think that the gospel is, is in trouble because of the way these people are worshiping, um, which, which is a horrible place to, I mean, I, what's a, what is, isn't it a great picture of Jesus to despise your, your fellow brothers and sisters? Um, in the book Rhythms of Grace, Mike Cosper goes on to say, The great tragedy of worship wars, of churches splitting and blasting each other over stylistic choices and song choices, is that it totally misses the reason we sing. The last thing we should do is sing, A mighty fortress is our God, with a scowl in our faces and resentment in our hearts toward our brothers and sisters across town who are singing Mighty to Save and vice versa. The reconciling work of the gospel is the prerequisite to our singing just as it is the prerequisite to all of our worship. It's in the light of the gospel that we live, and everything, our living, our breathing, our singing, our preaching, our praying, our working, our parenting, and whatever else we do should flow from thankful, gospel-reconciled hearts. So, as I mentioned before, I began singing more and began worshiping more, and, and a few things began to happen as, I, as my, my focus shifted on Jesus and sitting at his feet and worshiping in that way. First, I stopped caring about how other people were worshiping. Um, I mentioned just a second ago that I had not just an apathy, but I despised. And, and I realized that as I, as I recalled the story of uh, Michael and David in the Bible, where Michael despised David uh, when he danced and danced right out of his clothes, basically, she she had great, uh, she despised him for that. And, and God didn't say, yeah, you're, you're right, David. You're, you're kind of worshiping. You're, you're, you've gone beyond the line that I've set. But no, he said, Michael, no, that's, that's not good. That's, uh, you're despising someone who is a child of God. And, and I realized I was being a lot more like Michael uh, than I was David in that sense. Secondly, I, I began having a deep love for people that I'd, uh, I met, not even didn't love, but just didn't have an eye for. Um, as I began walking into work, um, I had kind of gotten into a mode where I just, I'm going to go to my, my desk. I'm not really going to talk to anybody. Um, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to go do, and, and work hard and be out of here. Um, without me even trying, God started putting a love in my heart towards people at work that didn't look like me, who maybe I wouldn't have hung out with normally. Um, I started caring about people's sicknesses and their and their their grandchildren, and, and again, this is not something that I, I conjured up inside of me that, hey, you need to do better to do this. Um, as I sung, as I worshiped, as I, as I sat at Jesus' feet, um, he began to do those things inside of me. And so, so what I see is that pendulum swinging back towards the middle and, and coming closer to the place to where, man, I just, I want to see a body. I want to see it in the city as it is in heaven, um, because I believe that 
the picture that we see in Revelation, this is not just something we're doing here to sing uh, to make us feel better here. This is a gift that God has given that we are going to continue to sing into eternity. And, and the song that we see in Revelation, it's, it, it's not a song that says, thank you, Jesus, that I am worthy to sing to you, or thank you that I am worthy to do these things. But the song is, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. By your blood, you ransomed people for God. The song is about Jesus. We are unified as a body. We can sing together. We can sing a new song, um, both here and collectively um, as a body. I think about the stories of Haiti and the the songs that they were singing. Some of them they recognized, um, others they didn't. But but the fact that those same people who are miles away from what most of us know of what a normal life is, we all still uh, share this picture of what heaven will be. Uh, in, the, in eternity and, and on. And, but first, I think we have to learn to sing a song individually. I think, that's, I think that has to start there. Um, and I believe that Jesus, as we sit at Jesus' feet, as we sing at Jesus' feet, as we worship at Jesus' feet, the things that we try so hard to do, um, that, where we try to love and try to serve when maybe we don't always feel it, I believe that Jesus will fill, will fill our hearts with love for people as we, as we follow him. That's what he commands us. Take, take my yoke, for it is easy. That means we don't have to try so hard to accomplish. We don't have to try so hard to do. We focus and we join with Jesus and let him fill us. Let him push us and draw us into him. And so what I, what I don't want this to be is... Uh, because I know I threw a lot of practical things in here about things that help me. And I don't want this to be, hey, go, go burn all your CDs or your records or delete your Spotify playlist or whatever it may be. I, that's, that's not, that's, I hope you don't hear that. I hope you don't hear, man, I, I, I'm not loving like I'm supposed to or I'm not adoring Jesus. As I, I, I don't want you to have to do anything out of this. I, I don't want you except for one thing that I think God wants us to do, and I think it's the picture that we see from Revelation, and that, that one do is to, to rest at the feet of Jesus and then see what he does as a body through that. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you so much uh, that we don't just have a book of rules, that we don't, just have a, a book of, of things we should do, um, but we, we have a book of love that sings a song where songs are sung and songs are sung over us. Uh, we have this beautiful view of, of your love and your grace over us, Lord. And Lord, we, we don't have the strength in ourselves. We don't have the power to love well. We don't have the power to to, uh, to spread your kingdom on this earth on our own. Uh, Jesus, I, I pray that this morning that, uh, that you would give us a, a vision of eternity, give us a vision of your kingdom. God, put a new song inside of our hearts. Uh, some of us, that is literally new songs that we will write, and others, that are, those are new songs that we haven't heard before. But we can, we can find them, we can sing them to you, and we can rest at your feet, Jesus. I pray that, that fellowship would be a picture of heaven. I pray that you would increase love in our hearts. 
and that, uh, man, we would just be marked uh, as a church unified for your glory, unified in you. And uh, I pray that we'd reach Jonesboro and be a light in Jonesboro um, where, where weight is cast off and where your freedom reigns, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for being a loving father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.